I don't know about you guys, but um, if you heard the first announcement, it's about prayer and fasting coming this week. I don't know about you guys, but uh, for me, prayer and fasting is, is such an instrumental and such an important walk of not just my life, but my spiritual walk. So I, I just want to take this opportunity, the microphone, to encourage everybody. We're going to be here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We're going to be fasting. We're going to be seeking God's face. Come. Come join us. Come join us. I, I know you've got a busy life. I know there's lots going on, but make time for this. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to transform your walk. It's really going to impact you. So please make time to come to prayer and fasting. It's going to be, it's going to be life changing. Amen. Amen. Good. Good. So I want to take the opportunity to start reading from the word of God. We're going to be in the book of Joshua. Joshua. In Spanish, that's Josue. Let's go to the book of Joshua, chapter 6. We're going to read two portions. We're going to read 2 through 5, and then we're going to read 15 through 21. Joshua, chapter 6, 2 through 5, 15 through 21. It's going to be, it's going to be about the story of the walls of Jericho. Have you guys ever read the story before? Impressive. It's an impressive story of how God just manifests his power um, and just his, his, just how amazing he is. And the way he backed up the people of Israel um, through knocking down the, the walls of Jericho through supernatural, truly supernatural ways. Let's go again, Joshua chapter 6, 2 through 5, and then 15 through 21. I'll start reading. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. How about we try that now? Let's give a loud shout. Can we do that? (laughs) Amen. Amen. With a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up. Every man straight in. Amazing. Now we're going to go down to verse 15. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. How many know that God has given us Lincoln? Come on now. Come on. Let's take this to heart. Let's take this for us. The city of Lincoln is ours. It's ours for the taking. Shout. For the Lord has given you the city. That's right. You can give Jesus a round of applause. That's okay. Amen. Amen. All right. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared. Because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things. Listen to that. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. 
All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. Let's say that together. The wall collapsed. The wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with sword every living thing in it. Men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkey. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word, God. Lord, we know that your word never comes back void, but it always, always fulfills the purpose for it was sent forward. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit just move in this place. I pray, God, that you touch the hearts of men and women and that you help us, Lord, knowing that battles come, that battles come, but you are Lord of the battle, Lord. And we know that the weapons formed against us are not carnal in nature, but they're mighty in God, Lord, for the tearing down of strongholds. And we believe, Lord, that you're going to help us to bring down those strongholds in our lives, Lord. We thank you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, how many movie buffs do I have in this place? All right, I knew PD was going to raise his hand. Anybody else? I saw a couple of hands. So I'm not a huge movie guy. I'm more into series. I guess some could say I have a commitment problem maybe with a, a movie having to sit down for an hour and a half, two hours to watch a movie. For me, that's tough. That's why I like series because they're 45-minute installments. It's simple, you know. But there are a type of movie that I like, and it's, it's, it's war movies. I like war movies. I'm not a huge strategist. That's kind of why I love that the way that slide came. Doesn't it kind of look like, like you know, like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh man, I totally forgot. But anyways, so it's it's war movies really really get me going, and and I think that there's spiritual principles in there that we can take out of it. You know, one of the things that I've noticed about war movies is that there's strategy. You know, you've got to be a strategist. The best generals, the best four-star generals are all super great strategists. You know, like a good game of chess. There's strategy that needs to be intertwined into the game to be able to win. You know, and I think a lot of that is true for our spiritual walk as well. You know, one of the things that I've noticed about war movies is that position has a lot to do with the advantage that you get. You know, back in the day when it was like the Redcoats against the, the Americans with the Civil War and whatnot, you would have people getting and striving to get on the mountaintop, on the top of the hill, right? Because at the top of the hill would give you a positional advantage. It would give you a way that you were looking down at the enemy. And how many know that the law of gravity is true? The things that go up will come down. And looking up, it's a lot easier to throw something down than to throw something up. You guys have noticed that, right? I mean, that's that's... It's logical. That's science. So it's a lot easier for the people that were on top of the hill to gain that advantage. You know, position has a lot to do with it. And I want to propose today that one of the things that we have to do in our spiritual walk is position ourselves in the perfect will of God. We need to be positioned properly. You know, in those movies, there's always the winners, there's always the losers, there's the good guys and the bad guys. But the position that they take within the battlefield many times is what either gives them the victory or it doesn't. We need to position ourselves within the battle. Something that I've noticed that is also huge here in, in Nebraska, and I'm sure I'll get a lot of shouts for this, is sports. 
sports. I know everybody loves sports. I remember when it was Sebastian's birthday last year. His birthday's in November. We literally had to look at the Huskers calendar to see when the game was going to be finished to put his birthday party. Because we knew that if we did his birthday party during the hours of a Husker game, nobody would come. Can I get an amen? Right? I, I know. I know. I know. So we, we had to do this. So you guys will believe me when I say that you've seen games, I've seen games, where both teams are battling it out. All right, let's talk about the Super Bowl this year. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. The Falcons and the Patriots. I know it was like six months ago, but let's talk about this for a second. Total upset. You know, the Falcons, they were fighting. They were going forward. They were playing hard. They were winning, man. They were they were completely annihilating the Patriots. It was It was pretty embarrassing to the point where I got bored. It was kind of a boring game just because it was, it was, it was a spanking. It was, it was really bad. Um, but then something happened. Something happened. There was a shift, right? How many can say shift? Now, if you do it with your hands, it's even better. Shift. There you go. There you go. There was a shift. At the end of the third quarter, I think they were tied 21 to 21. Something happened. I don't know if it's that the Falcons started falling asleep. I don't know if it's that they were, and, and again, I don't care about either team. I'm not really a sports guy, those of you that know me. Um, but but th- there was just a lot of truth in this. So I don't know if it was that they started just kind of getting confident, sitting back, saying 21 to 0, we got this. We got this. They were winning by 21, so they may have gotten confident. I like to think it was the resolve of the Patriots. It was that 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 just, that we're not giving up spirit. It was that spirit of not losing faith. It was that spirit of saying, yeah, things look bleak. Things look bad. It's not going in my favor. I look around me, and I'm very close to being defeated. You know, I'm pressed, but not destroyed, says the Bible. They felt the pressure coming upon them. But I think they looked and they said, it's not over. How many know it's not over? It's not over. We've still got one quarter. We've still got one full quarter. We can do this. We can, And they did. They did. And it turned out to be one of the greatest upsets, I think, in Super Bowl history. You know, ended up tying 21 to 21 in the fourth quarter and then winning in overtime. You know, it may look impossible. The situation that you're facing, it may look bleak. I'm not going to lie. It's probably looking really tough. But it's not impossible. And it ain't over yet. It's not over. It is not, not over. We have to keep the faith. We have to fight the good fight of faith. We need to keep pressing towards that final goal. We need to have, we need to be like a horse in the race. You guys ever seen horse races? These horses have blinders on. Blinders so that they don't look to the left or the right to see what's going on next to them. They don't see that other horse either catching up on them or blowing them away. They're just focused on the finish line. They're focused and we need to focus on the author of our faith. We need to focus on Jesus. We need to keep the faith as we're preparing for the battle. Because how many know battles in life, they come? You know, I heard not too long ago, Pastor Jerry preached an awesome message, awesome message. It was about the fact that you're either going through a storm, you're in a storm, or you're getting ready for a storm. If you haven't heard it, check it out in our podcast. It's there. 
tremendous message, but that's the truth. You know, we are preparing right now because many of us are going through battles right now. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you're going through a battle, let me just tell you, God has promised he will be there for you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. God is on our side, but my friends, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot lose the faith. We need to keep fighting the good fight of faith. And I think that's what Paul meant when he was telling Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12. Paul tells him the following, fight the good fight of faith. Say it with me now. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. You know, Paul is a guy who had it all in his life. You know, I have many times said that my life has been a roller coaster. There's been many ups, but there's also been a lot of downs. How many can give me an amen for that? Amen. Amen. You know, life is many times a roller coaster ride. And Paul was a guy who he knew about roller coasters. You know, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he calls himself. He was a man who was well-versed in the Bible. He was a guy who at one point was rich. But he was also a guy that, for his faith, got jailed several times, was stoned on many occasions. If you read his story and you read the things that happened to this guy, you're like, wow, this guy went through some stuff. He went through some stuff. But at the end of his life, while things were getting bleak, when he knew his end was coming, he was able to tell Timothy something. You know, this young man, this young man that he was rearing, this young man whom he was a a spiritual father, if you will. He was a mentor too, which that's another subject for another day. But mentors, wow, they're so important. So important to the young people. I have fought the good fight. Previously in 1 Timothy, he had he was telling him, fight the good fight. He was encouraging Timothy, Timothy, you need to fight the good fight of faith. You know, many times we, I'll speak for myself, many times I sit on my hands when I see things going on. And I know many of us are guilty of this as well. We sit on our hands because we're comfortable in our current situation. You know, but uh, Paul was telling Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And at the end of his life, after Paul had been, man, he, he had been fighting. He had been fighting, going through some stuff. He tells Timothy this, I, I have fought the good fight. This is in Second te- Timothy 4, 7, by the way. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. You know, it's amazing because this is the same guy that on an occasion says, follow me as I follow Jesus. What a responsibility that is. To sell somebody, follow me, because I'm following Jesus, you know? And he tells Timothy here, I have fought the good fight. He was convinced. He knew his God. He knew his end was coming, but he would not lose the faith. He said, I have fought the good fight. And let me tell you, my friends, allow that to be your testimony. Allow that to be your testimony. You know, I think of my son, Sebastian. He's 20 months old now, I think. You know, and when I think of him growing up, I'm like, man, he needs to see me fight the good fight of faith. He needs to see me persevere. He even needs to see me suffer, but suffer for the cause of the Christ, you know? He needs to see me suffer for my loved ones, for you guys. He needs to see me fight the good fight of faith so that when he grows up and I tell him, you know, I fought the good fight, 
he, he knows what that means. Are you following me? We have a legacy. We have something we need to leave to our children in this case, you know, to the next generation. And we need them to see us not give up, to persevere, to fight, to continue taking strides, put one foot in front of the other so that they know that it's many times going to look bleak because life many times is a battle. But we can be prepared in Jesus. We can be prepared in Jesus. You know, when I started looking at the, at the Bible and, and I, I read... I. The whole Bible is amazing, obviously. But I really like certain parts of the Old Testament. Like, I like the, the battle and the action, the, the drama that's in the Old Testament. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. And when I think about a man of war, who do you guys think I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Joshua. When we read the story of Joshua, we see a man who faced many battles. We see a man who faced many things. You know, to the point that when he was starting to take over his ministry, when Moses had just passed and Joshua was about to rise up into the calling that God had given him, God gave him a very specific word. You know, I have received word from God on many occasions. I have received specific words from God. And those times, looking back on my life, I see that those words were in preparation for something getting the ground ready for what God was going to do in my life. Many times it was going to take me through a time of stretching. Many times it was going to take me, as the Bible says, through the fire. You know, and in this occasion, at the beginning of the book of Joshua, God tells something to Joshua. And he says this, I will be with you as I was with Moses, my servant. Now be strong and be courageous. That last part, be strong and be courageous. He doesn't tell him just once. He tells him three times. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and very courageous, he tells him. That to me says something. When God is telling Joshua three times, be strong and be courageous, what do you think that means? That means that adversity is going to come. There will be a time where you're going to want to, you're going to want to stand back. There's going to be times where you're not going to want to get out of bed in the morning. You know, there's going to be that brother or that sister sitting in church that you really just don't want to see. You know, but God, yes, I said it. I'm sorry. I said it. But God is saying, be strong and be courageous because there is a calling. There's a purpose and it's a higher purpose than what you even think or imagine. God told Joshua three times, be strong and be courageous. You know, and we see throughout the life of Joshua that this was a man who he conquered many battles. This was a man who fought. This was a man who took over what was the promised land for the people of Israel to go in it. And on one of the occasions was this wall of Jericho. This was one of his battles, one of the many that he faced. And I want to talk about that a minute or two today. You know, when we see that story, there's really four things that stand out to me about the story of Jericho, the walls of Jericho. And it's one is that he was positioned correctly. God told him what to do. God told him, march around these walls, do this. Gave him a set of instructions and he expected Joshua to walk out on those instructions. He was positioned. You know, I don't know about you, but in my life, I've realized that I need to be in the perfect will of God. In the perfect will of God. I want to mention there's a difference between his perfect will and his permissible will. 
there's a difference. You know, and I think of it many times as this. A lot of you have kids, right? And your son will come up to you. Daddy, 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 can I do this? You're like, no, son, it's not in your best interest. Daddy, 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 can I do this? No, son, I don't want you to do this. Daddy, 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 please let me do this. I really want to do it. Okay, fine, go for it. Was that dad's perfect will? No. No, it wasn't. It wasn't your perfect will for your son, but it was your permissible will. It was okay. It's not in your best interest, but go for it. And I think that's the way God is many times with us. He's got his perfect will for us. That will in which he wants us to live. That will in which he wants us to abide. You know, he wants us to desire his perfect will. You know, he wants us to be, and I think the way Jesus was when he was in that garden and he said, Lord, let not my will but thy will be done. He wants our will to be his will. And that's my prayer. Lord, allow my will to be your will. God, I want to be in your perfect will. I don't want to be left up to my own devices, God. I know that when I start doing things on my own, I'm crazy. I don't want to do those things in my life. Lord, I know that your will is perfect and it's awesome. God, I want your will for my life. Lord, give me the courage that I need to do your will. Lord, give me that intestinal fortitude that I need to walk out your will. God, give me the desire to do your perfect will. I don't want it just to be your permissible will. I don't want it to just be that thing that you say, all right, Chris, go ahead and do that because, well, it's getting kind of annoying. No, I want it to be your perfect will. I don't want to be like that widow that was going to the judge and then the judge said, well, she's going to drive me crazy, so here, let me grant her request. God, I want your perfect will for my life. And that needs to be our prayer. That needs to be our desire. Come on, let's give Jesus a round of applause this morning. Amen. Amen. We need to be positioned within the will of God. This is how we prepare for the battle. We prepare positioning ourselves within his perfect will. And let me tell you, God's will will never, it will never, it will never, it'll always be for our benefit. God's perfect will will be for our benefit and for the benefit of his people. You know, when we see the life of Joshua, when we see his communication with God, we see that he was in the perfect will of God. He was obedient to God. God gave him instructions and he did it. Number two is that God spoke to him. He prayed. He was a praying man. You know, many times we confuse prayer and we think that prayer is just me talking to God. And that's a part of it. But how many have ever stopped in their prayer life, which is something that PD, Pastor Dustin, did this morning and I thought it was amazing. Let's just stand there and be in awe of God, in awe of God. You know, prayer also has to do with listening. Prayer is a conversation. It's communication. Yes, we need to talk to God, of course. But we also need to let God talk to us. There's many times in my prayer life when I'm just silent. I'm in God's presence and I know it. But I'm just silent. And God talks to me. You know, we need to pray. I'm reading a book, which is, it's, it's a pretty good book called um, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And, and he says something, the, Pastor Jim Simbolo, the one of... Uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle, he says something, and he says the following. He says that prayer is the barometer. It's the spiritual barometer of a church and of a person. I thought that to be interesting. Prayer is what determines how we're doing in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual life. Are we praying? Are we a praying church? Are we a praying people? 
Are we a people that have conversation with God on a daily basis? You know, before, when you wake up in the morning and you're lying down in your bed, what's the first thing you do? Is it reach over to your phone, check Facebook and Instagram? For real. Or are we having a conversation with God? Are we having that intimacy with the Lord before anything else and on a constant and continual basis? Are we a praying church? And I'm not asking you to say yes or say no. I'm asking you to examine yourself. Examine yourself. I want to confront you this morning. Am I praying? Am I seeking God's face? Am I going to my war room, as some of you would call it, and just crying out to God? You know, I, I know that some of the biggest breakthroughs in my life have happened on my knees. Not me doing anything physically, but I'm on my knees. Many times just bawling to God, tears coming out. I'm just having, I'm having it out with God. We're having conversation. We are talking. You know, he's talking to me and I'm winning battles because the battles are won in the spiritual before they are in the physical. Let me tell you, we need to be a praying people. We need to be a praying church. Come on, let's give Jesus a round of applause. Amen. That's why I I am so ecstatic that we are a church that on a quarterly basis does what we're going to do this coming week. We're going to be praying and we're going to be fasting. You know, this isn't part of my point, but I want to put this plug. That fasting many times is something that we as a church have forgotten to do. You know, I myself, I like to eat. I do. I like to eat. And I know that many of us do too. You know, we need to be a church that comes back to those spiritual principles. I think about the time when Jesus was telling his disciples they had gone to go pray for a demon, uh, demon affected individual and they couldn't do anything. They couldn't cast out the demon. And then they asked Jesus, they're like, why couldn't we do this? We did what we always do. It's always worked. Why didn't it work this time? And Jesus tells them, there's some, there's some things There's some stuff in our lives. There's some strongholds that we have in our lives that only come out by what? By prayer and fasting. Exactly. Spiritual principles, my friend. Things that we need to get back into as a church, and we will be doing it this week. We will be praying, and we will be fasting. Join us. Come. Come join us. It's going to be a great time because those battles, they are won on our knees. We need to be a praying church. Joshua prayed. He wasn't just talking. He let God talk to him. He let God talk, and God did. God gave him a specific set of instructions. But then he had to do something. When God gave him the instructions, it was one thing for him to receive the instructions of God, for him to hear it. But then how many know that there's a proactive step that comes after that? And it's that he obeyed. He obeyed God. You know, I've come, <laughs> there's been moments in my life, not that, I, I don't want to sound like, you know, ah, yeah. But there have been moments in my life, and I know people that have come through situations, and they don't pray. And they don't pray, and you're like, why aren't you praying? You know, I, I again, worked in Guatemala for eight years as uh, the director to a program where we help guys with problems with drug addiction, alcoholism, and delinquency. And, you know, these guys were facing big decisions that they had to do, whether they left the program to go work, um, whether they did this, whether they did that. And I'm like, dude, have you prayed? And they're like, no. I'm like, why? Because like, I'm afraid of what God's going to say. Ouch. Ouch. That's intense. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty hardcore. Afraid of what God's gonna say. You know, when God talks to us, my friends, we need to be obedient. We need to do what God is telling us to do. We need to walk out in it. And I'm not gonna say it's not scary. 
Because many times it is scary. I know in my personal walk, it's been scary. You know, all the things that God has called me to do, even the, some small stuff, it's scary because many times his will for my life is out of my comfort zone. It's out of the things which I'm comfortable in, you know, but we need to be obedient to God. We look at the story of Joshua. We look at the way, I mean, who would think? Again, I love war movies, but I've never seen a battle won by people marching around a camp and then blowing trumpets. Never seen that happen. Never. No war movie demonstrates that. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. But then we see Joshua, he does what God tells him to do. It seems out of this world. It seems extraordinary. It seems pretty far off, let's be honest. Doesn't seem like something that you would normally do to win a battle, but he does it. He's obedient to God. God gives him a specific set of instructions. March around six times. On the seventh time, march seven times. Blow your trumpets. And when you blow the trumpets, shout. He does it. Marches for six days. Then the seventh day does seven. Then blows the trumpets and... The walls start crumbling. The walls start crumbling and they rush and take over the city. We need to be obedient to God's will. You know, God's promises for us, they're yes... And they are amen. We need to be faithful. We need to be obedient. You know, when I first was going to Guatemala, the mother's ministry of my parents' church had been praying for me because, like I said, I was lost in drug addiction, alcoholism for like 10 years. So they prayed for me those whole 10 years. And when I left, they gave me this little plaque that I thought was pretty cool. And I had it on my desk the whole time that I was in Guatemala. Guatemala. And I, I left it there this time around because I just forgot to bring it. Um, but it was a sailboat. It's a little sailboat. And it says on it, engraved, God's will will not take you where God's grace cannot keep you. I was like, huh, that's really good. That's really good. You know, when God gives us a set of instructions, just know that his grace is going to keep you because it's his will. You know, it's not something that's for us necessarily. Because one of the things that I've noticed is that his will many times for my life is not necessarily just for my benefit, even though I do benefit, but it's for the greater good. It's for the greater benefit of those around me. God's grace will not take you where his will No, God's will will not take you where his grace cannot keep you. We need to be obedient. We need to be obedient to the will of God. He didn't do things, Joshua, as he saw fit. He didn't do things in what in his mind were the best course of action to take. He didn't do things in what he thought was going to get him the victory. This was a strategist. This was an individual who knew war. He knew what to do, you know, but he prayed. He prayed. He wanted to be in God's perfect will. And then God answered his prayer. And he obeyed. He obeyed and he did what God wanted him to do. You know, we need to be a people, my friends, that are obedient to the voice and the will of God. And lastly, is he depended on God. He depended completely on God. He had a reliance, 100% reliance on God. And I know that... uh, You know, I'm going to be real here. I know that 100% dependency on God is hard at times. It can be hard. I know that. I I get it. I've been there. You know, being a missionary, I, I was there by the complete will and grace of God. 
You know, a, a short term, I love mission trips, obviously, and I love missions. Being on the missions field is just one of the ways in which I have seen God's provision, his providence in my life. Guys, I didn't get a salary, yet all my bills were paid and my savings account grew. Come on now, that's a God thing. You know, that, that really is a God thing. When, come on, let's give Jesus a round of applause. Amen. Amen. God is so good and he's been so good. He's shown his goodness in my life on many an occasion. But we need to have a total and utter reliance on him. We need to depend on God. We need to be in a position in which our just our everything is just, God, I know you have your best interests in my life. Lord, I'm willing to do what your will is. God, help me to depend on you. Now, that's going to stretch you. That at times is not going to feel comfortable. Because just the simple definition of dependence means you don't have, and that's why you're depending, you know? So I get the fact that it's not easy, but at the end, believe me, the ends justifies the means. When you see God's provision, when you see the way God comes through, when you see the fact that he does have good things in store for us, when you see the fact that we do matter, when you see the fact that he wants us to be blessed, when he wants good things to happen to us, you're going to see how God just comes through. Our dependency has to be on God. We need to have that reliance on Him at every moment for all things. You know, we need to return to our first love. We need to return just to that place where we're seeking Him on a daily basis. And and I hope to today encourage you, but at the same time confront you with the fact that we need to be going to a place of utter and total dependency on God. To a place in which we're submitting ourselves to His will on a daily basis. To a place in which we are seeking His face for all things, even the seemingly small things in our life, those things that you think, ah, it's a small situation. We need to be seeking him. And then when he talks, we need to be obedient. You know, there's a testimony I've shared with the youth on several occasions. And um, living overseas, uh, motorcycles are very convenient. Having a car can be kind of an annoyance because gas is so expensive and then traffic is ridiculous. So motorcycles are very, very, um, they're helpful. They're helpful tools. You know, people over there, they do stuff that here is totally illegal and they drive in between the cars. That's the way they get around. So that becomes like another lane of its own. And and when I was in the ministry, there was a time, uh, some people are laughing, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So when I was living overseas, I was like, man, I was starting to pray. I was like, I need a motorcycle. So I started wanting to raise funds, you know, started started moving, doing all the things that I needed to do to be able to start getting that going. I was praying, I was raising funds, and then, you know, like a couple months later, I'm like, gosh, why, why am I not being able to do this? Lord, what's going on? You usually provide for all of this stuff. Why am I not getting this motorcycle? And he spoke to me, first to myself, but then you know how you start doubting. Now, nah, is that really the voice of God? Because it wasn't what I wanted, you know? And I was like, is that really the voice of God? You know, and then he confirmed it through two other individuals. And it was this. It was like, you're not getting the money because I don't want you to have a motorcycle. Ouch. That hurt. That hurt, you know. But later on, I came to see why a good friend of mine ended up getting into a motor accident, motorcycle accident and losing a leg. So I, I saw there why God, he was protecting me. He was protecting me. At the time, it was a difficult experience. It was something tough for me to realize and, and to really accept because I wanted it. I wanted it. And you know, when we want something bad, we kind of get those blinders on and we start, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I was going through. But at the end of the day, God told me, Chris, I don't want you to have a motorcycle. 
Now, what would have happened if I would have gone in my own will, in my own force, and gotten it? Only God knows. Only God knows. But he was protecting me. I needed to be obedient to what he was saying. So I want to leave you with that today. And as we're standing up, I want to give you guys the opportunity um, to respond. Because, you know, God's plans for our lives are good plans. They're plans to prosper and not to harm us. They're plans to give us a hope. They're plans to give us a future. God has good plans for our life. We need to position ourselves, my friends. We need to position ourselves within his perfect will. We need to be a church that seeks God's will. We need to be a church that seeks God's will. We need to be a praying church. We need to be a church that prays. And when God answers, because he will, it's not always yes. Sometimes it's a no. Or the even more difficult one, wait. Ouch. Hurts. I know. I know. I know. It does. But we need to seek God's will. And when he tells us what he wants, when he answers us, because he will, we need to be obedient. We need to be a people that walk in obedience to God. And we need to depend on God. We need to depend on God. So today, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what struggles you face. I don't know what battle you're either preparing for or walking through. I don't know if when you look all around, all you see is dust. I don't know if when you're looking around, all you see is the enemy closing in on you. Or maybe you're standing on the hilltop right now, but as you start looking off into the distance, you see that army marching towards you. And those nerves start riling up within you. You're like, oh my goodness, I know something's coming. Let me brace myself. I don't know what you're going through, my friends. But I do know this. Jesus has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. The Bible says even if a thousand are falling on my left and ten thousand on my right, it shall not come to me. Because you know what? He is our refuge. He is our strong tower. He is our ever-present help in time of need. But we need to prepare. We need to prepare. I've given you four things you can do. God, today, I I pray, Lord, that you help us to just have a total and complete dependency on you. I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes. You can even bow your heads. I don't want you looking around. I want you to just have this time with your God, with your Creator. And as you're there, and as the music is flowing, I want you to just talk with your God and tell Him, Lord, Lord, I'm going through it. I'm going through it, Lord. I'm not sure what's happening. I feel like I'm getting surrounded on all sides. 
Jesus, I'm feeling pressed. But I know I will not be destroyed. I want you to cry out to your God and say, Jesus, I need you. Help me to have a total dependency on you. Lord, help me to rely on you, God. Because I know, I know that I know that you mean to do me well. Help me, God. Even in those moments when it seems like your will is so far off. Even in those moments when it seems like I can't get right with you. Help me, God. Help me, Lord. Talk to me. Talk to me, Lord. I want to give you an opportunity now. Maybe you're listening to the words coming from my mouth and you're like, wow, that sounds great, but who's this Jesus that you're talking about? Maybe you feel like you can't draw near to Him because you've been so far off. You've been so far away that you say, man, I can't draw near to you, God. I don't even know you. I want to tell you right now that that can change. Mm -hmm. That could change right now. Mm -hmm. If you're right now in that position where you're like, I don't know this Jesus that you're talking of, I invite you to meet him. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. If you want to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, Right now, let me give you the opportunity. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, let me invite you right now. Come to Jesus. He's standing with his arms wide open with a love for you that's eternal. A love that's so powerful that he died on a cross that you might be able to be with him forever. Let me give you that opportunity. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He wants you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. He wants you in his arms. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus today. Hallelujah.